Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. I'm going to read all the way through 62. It says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a tough set of teachings. So we kind of need to understand why Jesus is coming across the way he's coming across and what's at stake, and it's, it's kind of a big deal. And so uh, I want to start here reminding you that since Peter's confession of Christ back in the beginning of, of chapter 9, remember Peter, uh, Jesus asked, who do they say I am, and then who do you say I am? And Peter shouts out, you know, I say that, that you are, are the Christ, son of the living God. Since that confession, Jesus has been explaining what that means. He's been talking to them about the plan of God and the purpose of God for their life. And he began by talking about what that means for him. So, so the plan of God for Jesus, the fact that he is the Christ, means some things. It means that he is going to be rejected uh, by the, the chief priests and, and, and the elders. It means that he's going to suffer, right, um, for our sake. It means that he's going to be killed. Jesus explains this to his followers. And ultimately, it means he's, he's going to conquer death and he's going to raise again. And so he lays that plan of God out. And then last week, remember, that plan of God affected his ministry, right? Jesus could no longer just be about healing the masses and and performing the miracles. Uh, Jesus had to do something. He had to change the direction of his ministry. It said that he set his face on Jerusalem. He set his face on the cross. So when he comes to Samaria, they don't want anything to do with him. They want the blessing. They, they want the healing, but they don't want the cross. And so they reject him, remember? And so, so that's Jesus explaining the plan of God, what it means for him. And he's also explaining what it means for his followers. Like he doesn't want to leave them out in the dark. And that's why that's kind of where we're going to be today, right? He's still talking about what it means to follow him. So he says to his followers, like, if anyone wants to come after me, that's awesome. But you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross, which isn't a necklace or a t-shirt. And, and you've got to come after me, okay? He, he, he goes on and says, anyone that wants to save his life has to be willing to lose it for my sake. And, and he says, whoever wants to be great in this coming kingdom of God that you guys have been waiting for, whoever wants to be great in it, better take the smaller seat, better learn how to sit in the kid's chair, better learn how to be least. Okay, and that, that's kind of where we are. And so this teaching that we just read should be seen as a continuation of that. Jesus is continuing to talk about what it means to follow him. He's continuing to talk about the the commitment or the cost required to be his follower now that he is set on the cross especially. See, the ballgame has changed. Now that Jesus is set on the cross, what's going to be required of somebody that is his follower? What's going to be required? It's going to be required of us. So three things I want to share with you that I think the text teaches us, and, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Number one... I want you to see uh, this morning that following Jesus is not always comfortable. I think that's the first lesson we need to learn when we study this passage, that following Jesus is not always comfortable. Verse 57 and 58, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, right? And, and, and so uh, they're heading to Jerusalem now. That's where Jesus' face is set. Uh, they're on the road, and they're starting their journey to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know exactly how far out they were. We don't know how long the journey is. We know there's a whole lot of Luke left, right? There's a whole lot of story to be told. So a whole lot's going to happen in this journey. But they're on the road now. They are indeed heading towards Jerusalem. Jesus is indeed set his face towards the cross. He's heading towards that direction, towards the cross. And along the way, a guy comes up uh, and says, Hey, I want to follow you too. Right? Like these guys, I want to follow you. I will go wherever you want. I mean, this is like a mini Peter, isn't it? I mean, I'll jump out of the boat for you. I'll cut off the ear. Like, I mean, this guy sounds like he is all in. He really does. He sounds like he's all in. Like, I will follow you wherever you go. And so Jesus, of course, replies like, you know, Jesus does. Like, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. You know, please follow me. Pretty, pretty, please. Pretty, 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 please follow me. I need you to follow me, right? And if you follow me, I tell you what, I mean, your life is going to be so much better. If you follow me, you're going to run faster, jump higher, score a better grade on your SATs. And if you score a better, better grade on your SATs, you're going to get to go to a better college. And a better college, you're going to get a better degree, get a better job, make tons of money. I mean, buku's of money. And then you'll be able to buy that big house and retire on the hill someday. Is that what your version says? Oh, that's not in there? I'm sorry, because that's the gospel that I was told 20 years ago. That's what people told me. I mean, they they, they saw my life was a wreck, and they were like, listen, if you just ask Jesus into your heart, everything in your life is going to get better. That's the gospel I was told. That's not what you were told? I think the church told that gospel for years. Unfortunately, it's not accurate, right? I I mean, that's not in here. It it, it doesn't say except Jesus and everything's going to get better, right? Jesus never makes that promise here. He never promises comfort or health or wealth or prosperity for those that follow him. In fact, Jesus pretty much promises the opposite. He says, that's cool. You want to come follow me? That's awesome. But I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. Like, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm, I'm going to stay. I don't always have a place to stay because not everyone adores me or my message. Now, remember what has just happened. He's just been to Samaria, and they just rejected him. He was going after a long day of travel, and he was looking for a place to stay, a.k.a. to rest his head, and they wanted the old Jesus. They wanted the pre-Luke 951 Jesus. They wanted all the blessing and all the healing, but they didn't want the cross. And so they rejected him. Jesus had no place to stay, and now this guy comes to him and says, that's fine if you want to follow me, but just know I was just rejected. I had no place to stay. You, you, you can follow me, but I want you to understand that, that it may not be, be comfortable, right? Because the ultimate blessing, the ultimate healing, all those things have to come through the cross. I've got to go to Jerusalem, and if you're going to follow me, you've got to go there too. Did you hear that, church? If we're going to follow him, we've got to go there too. So this focus of rejection, Jesus wants us to know that if we're going to follow him and following him and doing so, we're probably going to experience the same thing. And that's a big deal because the Bible says we need to count the cost because before we enter into a project, right? Uh, starting in, in September, we're going to start talking to you about new plans for new buildings and all those kind of things. And we've spent months and months and months counting the cost. Determining what it's going to cost, what it's going to take, right? You've got to know the cost before you enter into a project. That's biblical. I mean, it just says you've got to, you've got to count the cost. Who builds a tower and doesn't first figure out how much the tower is going to cost? Guys, following Jesus, it, it has a cost. And according to Jesus, one of those costs is, is your comfort. It's your comfort, right? And, and we need to know this because 
currently, I read this this week. Do you know that there are 20 million people, uh, 20 million people in, in the world at one time or another that are suffering from what they call social anxiety? Social anxiety. And they define social anxiety as anybody that's afraid to be rejected or viewed negatively by others. Is that you? Ever, ever, ever suffered from social anxiety? And so there's a whole lot of people that ha- are actually like seeing professionals about this. They're going to counselors because they're so afraid of being rejected. So I just want to save you guys money. I mean, that's really part of why I'm here. I want to save you a lot of money in counseling sessions. And there's a way that you can tell me thank you later when the offering plate comes around, okay? Just some of what you would save, you know, $150 per hour. You just go ahead and throw that in there. We could use a little extra. It's hot, summer. It takes a little more to cool this place off. So, uh, so I want to save you money as a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know that if you really, 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 really follow Jesus, someone will reject you. I guarantee it. If you're really following Jesus, somebody's going to reject you because there's a whole group of people, kind of like the Samaritans last week, there's a whole group of people that they want all the blessing of Jesus, they want all the good stuff, but they don't want the cross. And so, so they're going to be in your life and they're going to want all the glorious and the healings and the wonderful things. And you're going to say to them, yeah, yeah, but you don't get that without the cross. And they're going to reject you just like they rejected Jesus. So they're going to say, no, I want, I want all the, the foo-foo. I want all the good feelings, but I don't want the obedience required. They're going to reject you because you're going to call them to obedience. They're going to say, no, that's not, that's not for me. But there's another group of people, if you're really following Jesus, and so I want to talk to who all went to youth camp. Because you guys are, this is coming for you and I, I love you and I will, I will fight for you. But, but there's another group uh, of people that will reject you. It's the religious folks. Do you know that all throughout the gospel, Jesus ate at Pharisee's house you know, pretty often. He, he was always invited over to the Pharisee's house to eat dinner, but nobody asked him to spend the night. You ever catch that? He was always invited over for dinner so they could talk and argue with him, but they never offered him a bed. He never had a place to stay from them was never on the table. You know why? Because Jesus made religious people uncomfortable. Because he really got it. Because he understood who the Father was. Because he was passionate. And, and a lot of times what happens, if you're really following Jesus and your face is set on him, you're different than, than some of us. Some of us, unfortunately, get stuck and we get a little religious and we get used to going through the motions. And when somebody is on fire for Jesus and they enter in to the rest of us that are stuck uh, and, and going through the motions, it makes us uncomfortable because we see that you have a passion that we've been lacking for a while. And so we think, say things to, to youth or, or, or to anybody like, sit down or don't raise your hands. You make me uncomfortable. Your shorts, are they a little too short? I wonder if you had one too many beers. When people understand the freedom that Christ offers, they begin to get a little bit uncomfortable. And I promise you, if you're following hard after Jesus, somebody's going to reject you. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, listen, just get ready. I'm glad that you want to follow me to the ends of the earth. But if you're going to follow me, it comes at a price. And that price is probably going to be your comfort. Your need for others' approval. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? So we start here. Following Jesus is not always comfortable. Number two, I'd share with you according to this passage that following Jesus involves proclamation even in the midst of personal pain and loss. Following Jesus involves proclamation even in the midst of personal pain and loss. Uh, Verse 59 and 60, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. So Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
And uh, that sounds really harsh. Sounds really harsh. Now, there is a little bit uh, of, of play on words going on in the original language that you can't catch in English. He actually says, if, let, let the spiritually dead go bury the physically dead. Uh, but it still comes off as harsh. So what's, what's going on? What's going on? Well, there's a bit of a cultural understanding that we need to grasp in order to understand that Jesus isn't being mean here. In, in Jewish culture, burying the dead uh, was a religious duty that took precedence over everything else in your life. If you had to bury uh, uh, somebody that was dead, that actually took precedence over studying the law. It took precedence over serving in the temple. And, and, it, and it took precedence over preparing for any kind of religious feast or festival. It was more important than preparing the Passover meal, for example. You'd have to go bury your dead. That, that had, according, according to Jewish religious custom, that had to be done before you could go prepare the Passover feast. It took a place of precedence. And the point being made here is not that we shouldn't honor our father and mother. Jesus was all about that. But it was rather that nothing should take a place of precedence over Jesus. Nothing. Including the thing in culture that you saw as the thing that took the greatest precedence. Jesus is saying, no, I'm actually above that. I'm actually above that. The point being made is the followers of Jesus must have a different set of priorities that he and his kingdom take precedence over everything else in our lives. And he's saying that we have to do that because we have a responsibility. Did you catch it in verse 60? The responsibility? Look back at it. Verse 60. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you, get this, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So there's a reason that, that you can't let anything else take precedence, because you now, as my follower, have a responsibility. And so what is that responsibility? That responsibility, according to Jesus, is to be one that proclaims his kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom of God. It's really interesting when you look at the word proclaim, because it kind of paints a picture for us. Proclaim, in Greek, it means to carry a message through. To carry a message through. Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to have to carry the message of the kingdom of God through your pain. You're going to have to carry the message of the kingdom of God through your suffering. You're going to have to carry the message of the kingdom of God through the good times and through the bad times of life. It's that important this kingdom is. You've got to carry it through. That's your job. That's your responsibility. That even in the midst of our own hurt and our own pain that we proclaim that God is good. And that his ways are right. That we, we proclaim that we are not alone, but that God has loved us so much that he actually has stepped into the midst of our pain. That he's taken that pain and that suffering and our sin upon himself. That he has died in our place. That he has experienced death so that we can live forever. That's the glory of the gospel, isn't it? I was talking with Ryan this week and I said, isn't God sovereign? We could have already preached this passage, right? Maybe we would have already been through this passage. But God, in my own life, teaching me a lesson, I don't get time off. I don't get, I don't get, I don't get time to not be a herald for Jesus. That's just not in God's plans. And what I would share with you on a personal, so I'll just give you my personal opinion. So typically what you get, you get Bible. If I'm going to give you my opinion, here's my opinion. Here's my opinion on this proclaiming, the, the message of the kingdom through your pain. Ready? I think it's in the moments of pain and loss that we shine brighter. I think it's easy to proclaim the kingdom of God when life is good, isn't it? When life is good and we've got money in the bank and we're completely secure, it's pretty easy to say God is good. 
It's pretty easy. I don't think that's much of a billboard, I'm going to be honest, right? I, th- I, think, I think when somebody in a third world country looks at us and they see that we all have homes that don't have dirt floors and we have food that we throw away, right, every week out of our refrigerator, I think they kind of look at us and if we were to say God's not good, like, oh my, who are we, right? They would look at us and, and, and the way that we are, guys, we are in the top 99% of people on the face of the planet. We are in riches and wealth. We are. If you have a refrigerator, you're, you're there. You're there. Right? And so I, I think if we, in those moments when life seemed all together, were, were to say God is good, the rest of the world would say, yeah, duh, look at your life, right? You have electricity and, and you have a roof over your head that doesn't leak and you have carpet on your floor and you have food in your refrigerator that you get to throw away. Yeah, God is good for you. Right? I think it's easy to, to do that. Here's the harder part. When you're struggling, when, when, when you're hurting, when, when you lose somebody or something, in the midst of that, can you still proclaim, God is good? Not, not just He does good things, not just that He blesses, not just that He heals, but He is the epitome of goodness. That that is His character. That, that when you are struggling to hold on, you can still stand up before a lost and dying world and say, I know this much, I don't know much, I don't know why, but I do know this God is good. Because it's in those moments when you can proclaim and shine a light on the glory of God that I believe we become the city on the hill that the Bible talks about. That we start to live out the passage where it says we're the light of the world. That we start to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of truth. Just my opinion. We have a message to carry. It's our responsibility. And there is a world that needs to understand that there is a God that loves them and that He is good. And one of the only ways I think they see his goodness is when we decide to carry the message through not just the easy times, but the tough times. The tough times. Following Jesus involves proclamation even in the midst of personal pain and loss. Number three. I want you to see this morning, just according to our text, that following Jesus is about moving forward, not looking back. It's about moving forward, not Looking back, verse 61 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That seems like an honest request. And Jesus replies, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Listen, I heard this phrase a long, long time ago. It's one of my favorite phrases of all. I use it all the time. You've probably heard it if you've been here a while. But just write it down anyway. It should become one of your favorite phrases because it's one of mine. Um, Here we go. God loves you enough to meet you where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. God loves you enough to meet you where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. Jesus says the same thing to all of those people that come to him. You know that, right? He says the same two words to everybody that would come to him. Same two words. Two words. Ready? Follow me. Those are the two words. Follow me. He comes and he meets them where they are. Like He'll meet you where you are, but then he says, okay, now something's required. You have to now move from where you are to where I am heading. That's what follow me means. Have you ever broken down that word? Follow me means stop standing where you are and actually start moving to where I'm heading. That's what follow me is. And that's what Jesus says over and over and over. It's the same invitation all throughout the New Testament. Christ saying to to sinners, Christ saying to the religious, Christ saying to the rich, Christ saying to the poor, Christ saying to, to the prostitute, follow me, follow me. Leave where you are, start moving and head where I'm going. It's the same invitation. 
If you want me, you have to follow me. You have to, to move. And I know Christ's rebuke sounds harsh here. But it's still about the fact that these people are putting other things first. Jesus is saying that place of firstness, it belongs to me. If you want me, you've got to come after me. You have to move and you have to be focused as you do. Now, um, we have been taken over by Pokemon. You guys realize this. It's amazing. Uh, young children and adults, even, uh, that were known for being couch potatoes, uh, like sitting on the couch literally and eating potatoes, you know, the fried ones. Uh, that's where we got the name, right? So, uh, like, it's crazy. They're up and they're active, all because of Pokemon Go, right? I mean, they're, they're walking neighborhoods for hours during the middle of the day in the summer. Like, kids are losing weight probably at rates that our country has never seen. Uh, all of our obo- uh, obesity totals are like, yes, we've finally broken through. All we needed was an app. And so, uh, kids, I don't know about your house, but my, you know, we're right by two churches. Churches seem to be like little stops where you could get Pokeballs or gyms or something, or even capture a monster. It's not a monster, I know, it's something else. But anyway, it's right, a creature, whatever. Uh, and so people are constantly walking. Somebody was walking past my house, a couple of teenagers, with their phones last night at 11.30. I lie to you not, right? Got to catch them all. Um, so they're working on it. And, and here, here, here's the cool thing. I, Pokemon's being praised because they are getting people that traditionally were not moving. They're up and they're moving. It's awesome, right? Now, the focus part, because I think, I think you know, following Jesus is really about moving and focus. The focus part, ah, I don't know. You could see it one of two ways. Either one, they're so focused on Pokemon that they're walking off of cliffs, walking into traffic, getting hit by cars, and walking onto private property where they're getting shot. So I, I would say that's a lack of focus and not understanding your anyway. But whatever, whatever. Here's the deal, though. The Jews in this passage, they struggle with moving and with focus. In in, in this period of time, the Jews, God's chosen people, they were not moving and they were not focused. They, they, They struggled with both. The Jews at this point had not moved anywhere in hundreds of years. For hundreds of years, they were still celebrating a time looking back when God was with them. They would celebrate things like the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths or even Passover. They would celebrate a time that God was with their people, a time that God did something great amongst their people. And the Feast of Tabernacles, they celebrated when God was with them as they wandered through the desert, how the pillar cloud was there uh, to, to provide light and how the manna from heaven was always there. Like they would celebrate that. And the Passover, they would celebrate their exodus from Egypt. They always looked back to a time when God was with them. And the other thing they did is as they sat still, not moving, is they looked forward to a time that the Messiah was going to come, right? Their political savior that they longed for. By the way, you notice Jesus refused to be king, right? He refused the place of politics. I love you guys. November's coming, okay? You're not going to get a political savior. Have you looked at the ballot? Okay, just making sure, all right? You better start, stop, stop bickering and arguing right now. We're all not, nobody's going to be happy, okay? Just, it's okay, because Jesus didn't come to be a political savior, He came to to build a whole new kingdom and a whole new way of life. He he came to set captives free, to heal people eternally. He came to bring life where there was only death, where we were bonded to sin. He came to set us free. This is is the world of Jesus and is radically different from that world that we so often choose to live in, right? This is the the message of of, of Christ. And and, and so here's, here's the thing with the Jews. They weren't moving and they weren't focused. They really didn't have either of those. And this is what Jesus would say to us, guys. If you want to be his followers, you have to do both of these things. Ready? Okay. One, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you actually have to follow him. Amen? Isn't that what follower means? Is the word follow and follower? It is, right? It involves movement. 
So when Jesus said to somebody, follow me, he actually meant move from where you are and follow. So, so here's the deal. I know a lot of people in Jesus' name, a lot of Christians I know, they are stuck in a rut. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here and you are stuck in a rut. That is how you would describe your Christianity. You are in a place that you know things are not right with you and Jesus. You're in a place that you know you're not at the top of the mountain. You're in a place that you look back like the Jews and you go, Oh my gosh, you celebrate a time when you were a teenager and you and Jesus were like this, but you don't have it now. Brother, that's wrong. I love you, but if you stand in one place, Jesus is moving. Jesus is always moving towards righteousness, moving towards godliness, moving towards, uh, toward, towards holiness. He's moving towards the cross. And if you're standing still, even if you have your eyes fixed on him, guess what? Because he's moving, he becomes like a little blip in the distance. You're meant to experience his fullness and his glory. But for that to happen, you've got to move. You've got to get out of the rut. You've got to move. It's just going to have to happen, okay? So, so I love you, but I love you enough to tell you he'll meet you where you are, but he's going to tell you to come with me. He's going to say, follow me. That's what he's going to do. He never leaves you where we are, okay? He never does that, okay? Second, though, I know another group of people that they are moving around like crazy, right? They are running around like chickens with their head cut off. They get the moving part. I mean, I mean, I mean they got the come uh, uh, before the follow me. Like, they are running around like crazy. They are more busy than you could ever imagine, but they, they lost the focus, right? They are Martha, who is worried about all the preparation, running around like a chicken with her head cut off, and Jesus is going, just sit down. Spend some time with me. Let's focus here on what's really important. And those Christians... Unlike the, see, the ones that are stuck in the rut, they kind of have their eyes on, they know that life's not good. They know that there was a, they, they look back to the glory days of their Christianity, right? But those that are, that are busy and busy and busy and running and running and running, they're just tired. They're just worn out and weary. And maybe that's you this morning. You're, you're constantly going, right? You're constantly moving, but you just keep, anybody here, this happened in the Old Testament, it's called cycles of apostasy. The people kept doing the same thing over and over, and over, and over, and over. How many of you here feel like your life's a record sometimes? Over, and over, and over, and over. May I submit to you that maybe you are moving, but you're not focused. Can you imagine trying to climb a mountain, being real active, and not actually being focused on the next step? How's that going to go for you? Kind of like Pokemon Go is how it would go for you. Wouldn't be awesome. Wouldn't be awesome. We have to move and we have to focus. Those, both, both those things are needed. So what do we do with this kind of text that, that is so like in your face? Like, you want to follow me? This is what it looks like. Jesus is like, hey, I got to call you up. Now, none of this like, like halfway Christianity, that doesn't work. Okay, so if you're going to be a Christ follower, what do we do? So I'll give you three things and, and we'll, we'll wrap up. Number one, um, I, I think we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? We, we got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Jesus didn't come to provide us comfort. He didn't, right? Um, How many of you would say today you suffer from some form of social anxiety? Be honest. Social anxiety. Hey, who, 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 uh, let's just ask this. How many people invited someone to church this week? One, two, three, four, sweet. Anybody else? I had four people. Five, five. Did you really invite somebody to church or are you just like raising your hand? I'm not giving out lollipops right now. All right. I want one. I want a sucker. Um, five. I, I, I've got the number somewhere Brian sent me. Hold on. Let's see how many people are here 
this morning. So we've got roughly about 170 people here this morning. Five invited somebody to church. I would submit to you that a reason why we didn't invite people to church, more people, more of us invite people to church, I think part of that reason is social anxiety. We're afraid of what people would say. I, I know people that work, and, and you know, they, they work at the office, and they're honestly afraid. If I invite my coworker, like, am I going to break some kind of law? Are they going to send me to jail? Am I going to lose my job? I don't know, maybe, but your job probably stunk if that's the case, right? It'd be a better job. We're afraid. We're afraid. And so here's what I would tell you, though. Like, like what I'm finding in my life, the best places to see God really work and move are the places that I am called out of my comfort zone. Like, like so when I go to Uganda, and I'm like the, I mean, you go to Uganda, so if like you look around in church right now, you know, you're like, yeah, it's, it's church, right? And so I go to Uganda. I am the only, like John and I, we're like the only white people around. If you go to Uganda and you see another white person, you're like, ah, it's like your long lost brother, right? Like, like you just knew that person. They're from, they're from Iowa or Bismarck, you know? And they're like, we have nothing in common, but, but they, cause, so they call, they call me a Mzungu. That's what it means to be white person or, or something. And uh, I don't even, I, I used to know the translation, but I'm a Mzungu. And so when you go there, like I go and God is like, I, I'm going to get you completely out of your comfort zone. Ready? I want you to go and I want you to teach pastors how to be a pastor. I'm like, ha, huh, that's funny, God, because I'm clueless how to be a pastor, right? Like, I'm, we are faking it. I mean, we're faking it around here, like just hanging on by a thread. And, and so, so God is like, no, I'm serious, dude. I want you to go, and I want you to teach pastors what is really important when it comes to being a pastor. And I think it's weird because, like, I didn't love seminary. Like, I disagreed with a whole bunch of stuff in the classes I took. I'm like, I, I, I don't think it should be a career. I think you should be called by God. I, I don't think you should try to be famous and have a megachurch with a bunch of different locations. I think you should just love people where you are. And people are like, that's not, that's not, that's not okay. So it feels really strange to me. But only in those moments when I go get really strange and uncomfortable do we see God show up. I, I'm in a different country, and, and God says, hey, I want you to talk about marriage. And I'm like, Lord, I feel like you're telling me to tell the men to get on their knees and, and propose to their wives. But that's countercultural because there the women get on their knees before their husbands. And I, but, I, man, I, I felt the Holy Spirit like it was so crystal clear. And I was like, I don't want to do it, God. And so I do it. And all of a sudden, half the room, they were mad at me. I was rejected. Like you experience rejection. Half the men, the men are like looking at me like, Mzungu, stupid. You know, the other half the men got on their knees before their wives and... And began to weep and say, I'm sorry, I have not loved you as Christ loved the church. I haven't served you. And man, they went home that night and they got second honeymoons. Woo. Men, how's it going? Can I give you some keys to the kingdom? <laughs> Go get on your knees. Repent for not loving your wife right. Just see what happens. Right? It's in those moments when you're so far out of the boat and you're afraid you're going to drown that God shows up and does really cool God things. And so I'm just going to, I want to challenge you, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Just get comfortable with it. People in this church, and I love you guys, but like on a weekly basis, somebody is ticked. Like somebody, I can't believe you said that. I felt like you were talking right to me. That's awesome. I just make eye contact with everybody. That was like speech 101. Okay. So I didn't write a sermon thinking about you. I love you, but you're not the center of my universe. Okay. I wrote a sermon trying to be faithful to God and according to his word. And if it touched you, that's awesome. But half the time, like we're split. Half the people are mad and angry and half the people are like, amen, pastor, I needed that. God bless you. Just be uncomfortable. Like I love you and, and I really do take what you say to heart and I have to pray about it. Lord, was I faithful? But ultimately, like that's not what I'm doing it for, right? Why are we not all that way in life? Why are we so consumed with what others think about us? Why can't we just be consumed with what God thinks about us? Because if our goal was just to be faithful, 
it wouldn't matter what other people thought. Dear Christian, I hate to tell you this. I don't want to break this news to you and wreck your whole Christian life. But God's goal for you is faithfulness. He wants you to care more about what he thinks than what other people think. He wants you to understand if you get it right, you're going to be rejected by somebody, maybe by multiple parties. You'll probably make the religious folks a little unnerved. Right? There'll be those moments that they're mad at you because you said pee in church. I love you, Lindy. I wasn't talking about you. I wasn't talking about you. And Lindy, you're, I, I don't consider you religious. I think you're one of the most Christ-like women I've ever met on the face of the planet. My uh, previous church, I had a, had a guy that was an elder on staff um, tell me that I, I wasn't a representative of Christ because I didn't wear a suit and tie to church. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Uh, we came back from youth camp, and we had our youth sit on a floor one year because they wanted to sit at the teacher's feet. And the elders in the church told them that they had to get up. That's why we had chairs. You want to know how long their camp fire lasted? About till that second. Right? If you're doing it right, somebody is gonna, somebody's going to be upset. Just get used to it, man. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Be, be okay in your own skin, okay? So get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Number two, I got to go. Uh, carry the message of Jesus through the messes of life, okay? Our job is, is, is literally to carry the message of Jesus through, through the good times and the bad, right? Through all the pretty stuff and through the messes. And, and that's the best thing, guys. When you can open your door and your house is a wreck and you can still tell people, like, God's good, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. So carry it through even the hurt, even the heartache. Uh, the message is worth it, Okay. And lastly, um, just these four words. I think this passage evokes these four words for me. One, meet. Two, move. Three, follow. Four, focus. Meet with Jesus. Um, by the way, Jesus is going to come to where you are, but you still have to meet him. Do you remember the story about Peter who denied Jesus three times, right? Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus came to the shore where Peter was, right? He came to the shore. Did Jesus swim to the boat? Came to the shore. Came to the shore. Peter jumped out of the boat. They met for breakfast. Okay, Jesus wants to meet you where you are, so meet with him, okay? Uh, but when he meets with you, he's going to say these same words he always said before. He's going to say, follow me, follow me, get moving, right? So you, you have to move. Um, and, and following, guys, that, that's an act of obedience. That's a daily thing, okay? Daily, daily, daily obedience. Um, I, I, I love you, uh, but the fruits of the Spirit, we don't get through prayer, okay? Love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. Those things, it's, you don't pray and receive those things. You follow the Holy Spirit, and when you walk in the Spirit, you become those things. That's how that works. And, and so, so that's obedience. It's about following every single day, uh, keeping in step with the Spirit. And then just focus, guys. We, 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 are, we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's, that should be our focus. Can I be honest? Like, if we just took a, a string, but don't raise your hands, okay? I don't want to. We don't want like an embarrassing moment. But in your heart, could you say today, honestly, that that is the, the number one focus in your life? Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Can we say that today? That's a question that haunts me. It, it, it should haunt us every single day. Jesus, are you, are you the thing that my eyes are fixed on in this world? Are you really? Are you really? Okay, pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is good. It's not always easy, but it is good. It's not always comfortable, but it is right. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do a work in us this morning, um, one that we may not be able to understand right now, but one that would uh, bear ultimate uh, abundant fruit.
for your kingdom. Lord Jesus, we ask these things in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen, amen, amen. So um, we're going we're gonna to do, uh, I guess, an uh, old school version of this is an invitation. Um, we're going to do it a little different, though. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask, kind of, j- just kind of where you are, if you just bow your heads with me. Alan's going to play. And uh, I think there's some different kind of people here. We've got different things going on. And so we're going to make, we're gonna, we're, this is going to be a prayer to God, but it's, it's going to involve some physical stuff. Uh, God, when he showed up to Moses, like he didn't just say like, hey, Moses, and Moses, you know, like, just cool, I just wanted you to see the bush. He's like, Moses, I want you to come to the bush. I want you to come to me, right? And then he gets there and he's like, now I want you, if, if you know it's me, I want you to take your, I want you to take your shoes off. I want you to honor me, right? So there, there's always a response that's demanded. I think there's a response when we hear God's word. So here's what we're going to do. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. I, I want to I talk to you. And, and if I describe your situation, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. And, and what that standing up is doing, nobody else is looking around. Everybody's still got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. But it's kind of something to God. It's saying, yeah, God, that's me. Yeah, God, that's me. Today, right here, right now, that's me. So, so I want to be honest. How many of you have just been trapped uh, in, in, in literally a, a fear of rejection? Social anxiety. You are so afraid to live out your faith. It, it really does. It rules you. Anybody here that, that's you? You're just, man, I'm just trapped. You say, yeah, that's me. Just before God, you just, you just, yeah, just stand up. Say, man, that's me. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of what other people will think. I'm, I'm afraid to ask anybody to go to church. I'm afraid to talk to anybody about Jesus. I am afraid. And that's you. You stand up where you are. That's, that's, you, that's you and God just talking about it. And you're going to work it out. And you start, as you stand, start praying about it. Lord, here I am. You know my fear. Help me get over that fear. And you just begin talking to him, okay? Somebody here, maybe more than one person here, like myself, you're hurting because of loss. Maybe you're hurting because of the loss, physical loss of life of a loved one. Maybe you're here because of a loss of a relationship. Maybe, maybe a relationship with your father and mother is not good. Maybe a relationship with, with a, a spouse isn't good. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe, uh, but you're hurting, right? You, you lost either a loved one, you lost a relationship. Maybe you're here and you lost a job. You, you lost what used to give you significance, but you're hurting because of it. And if that's you this morning and you're just hurting and you're experiencing loss, just stand up where you are. Say, I, yeah, God, that's me. I'm experiencing loss and I hurt and it's hard. It's hard, God. It's hard for me to proclaim your goodness right now. It's hard. I'm struggling to carry the message through. Just tell him. Just, I'm just struggling to carry the message through, God. I want to, but I'm hurting. It's genuine. It's real. I want to. God, would you help me? God, would you help me? You just pray to him. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Those, those of you that are struggling with fear of rejection, you're still standing. You're still praying, right? Now, some of you this morning, you are stuck in a rut and you know it. You've been stuck here for years. You've been stuck here for years. You're not following. You're standing still. You're looking back to a time that God was better, that life was better, that you and Jesus were closer. And in your heart of hearts, you feel it and you know it's wrong. Would you just confess that this morning before God? Say, God, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this rut right where I am. You just, again, just stand up. You're going to stand up where you are. God, I feel like I'm stuck in my faith. I feel like I'm stuck in this rut. I don't like it. I want to be closer to you. I'm going to be done with this. God, I want to be done with this. I'm tired of being stuck. Okay? Wow. And there's this last group. You are just worn out and weary. It's not that you're not moving. It's that all you're doing is moving. 
You are running and you're running and you're running, but you have lost your focus on Jesus. And if that's you and you're just tired, you're worn out, you know you need rest, you know you need Jesus, would you just stand up right where you are? I am so weary. I am so tired. I just need a moment, Jesus. Please help me see you. Help me focus on you. That's you. Just stand up. Last, last time. Just stand up. I'm tired. I'm weary. Okay. Just, just talk to him. Now, for the rest of you, maybe you don't feel comfortable. Maybe you've got more social anxiety than being able to stand up when your eyes are closed and no one's looking. Let's just pray right now. Just pray right now. Lord, help me. Help me be this kind of follower, okay? And you pray that prayer, and I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters that are standing. Lord Jesus, you did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Father, would you let us walk in your power to overcome our anxiety and our fear? Because you did not make us to be slaves to fear, but you made us to be overcomers to fear. Please, Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are struggling. God, for those that are hurting, those that have lost, Lord, I want to I lift them up to you this morning as well. And Father, I'm going to pray that you would help them to carry the message through the hurt. I'm going to pray that during this moment of hurt that they would be that city on a hill, that they would be that light of the world. God, for those that have been stuck in the rut, for those that are struggling, God, I, I pray that you would loose their feet. <laughs> I pray that you would give them a vision that you are not the God who was, but that you are the God who is. Jesus, you are here today. You are living, you are active, and you are calling them to move. Your words are the same today as they were then. Follow me. Move from where you are to where I'm heading. And Father, for those that are tired, they've been so busy, they've been running in circles, I pray that they would have a moment of clarity where they see you and they fix their eyes on you again. And instead of running in circles, they'd start running after you with all that they are and with all that they have. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Amen. You guys-